You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. This is Adam Griffin, and before we get to our topic of the hour, let me first introduce my two lovely co-hosts. First, the purveyor of pastels, Miss Cassie Bryant. <laughs> How do you do today, Cassie? That that acronym is POP. POP. She's my POP. Yeah. POP of color. Yeah. Master of <laughs> moments, I think, was the moment that was mom, and now this is purveyor of pastels. <laughs> I'm feeling it, Adam. I like it. Good. All right. And then the pickiest <laughs> jelly bean eater you'll ever meet. <gasps> Chelsea Griffin, how you doing today, Chelsea? I'm doing great. Not only do I not like jelly beans, I don't like any beans. <laughs> Hold on. So it's not that you're just picky about the flavors. You don't like them at all. I don't like jelly beans. I don't like green beans. I don't like lima beans, kidney beans, refried beans. Really, This sounds like a VeggieTales song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like beans. Uh, Cassie, have you ever played... Well, I'll eat your jelly beans. Have you ever played the game Bean Boozled? Oh, well, here's the deal. I... As a delegator, I have delegated the game of being boozled. <laughs> to your husband? I have helped facilitate my children. It was like a, we were with friends. It was a father-child contest. Oh. And we, we separated all the beans out. And man, the one that smelled like rotten eggs and the dirty dishwasher one was, yeah. it was foul. Yeah. For those who've never played Bean Boozled as a game of like a kind of roulette where you will eat a jelly bean that looks identical from a good tasting, quote unquote, jelly bean, or it could be a nasty tasting jelly bean. And Chelsea has similarly refused to participate. Although I do think she ate the blue one for which the bad taste was toothpaste and the good taste was like uh, mint or something like that. But our kids love to play it uh, with babysitters. They love to get babysitters. When when we are gone, they're like, hey, do you want to play a game? And then they offer these babysitters these terrible beans. Do you just have these? Like, we don't have them in stock. Do you like go to Costco and buy 10 no. packs? No, someone gave us the game as a gift and oh, okay. it, it has been a really prolific gift because we've never refilled them. The thing is people only play one turn and then they're like, I'm out. Yeah. So it's like they usually end up using one or two beans per babysitter. Gotcha. Um, but what they don't know is they're costing us babysitters. Like who's going <laughs> to say, oh, sure. who's going to say yes to us? Like Adam saw one of our babysitters vomit. They were having like men's group in the backyard and he could see her like coming to the kitchen sink to like gag and, and <laughs> heave a little bit. It was so gross. So we keep telling our boys like you've got We're to done. stop be- being boozling the babysitters. Yeah. When we played we saw this we saw it through the whole box. We oh. went through the entire That box. is horrible. That's disgusting. I was really proud it's of It's literally that. the worst thing I've ever tasted and every time I've played I have yet to have a good tasting jelly bean. I don't really like jelly beans anyway but it's literally the worst things I've ever tasted. It's so nasty. All right. Well <laughs> Let's talk about, speaking of jelly beans, let's talk about Easter. Y'all have, uh, did you guys have a great Easter tradition? Thank you. Any great (laughs) Easter traditions in the Bryant house and the Brown house growing up? Yeah, we had Easter baskets and we would go to church and we would usually have a new fancy dress that we put on. Oh, nice. Easter dresses. Chelsea, same? Yeah, we got got Easter dresses and then we got to dress up. Uh, Something I loved at my church growing up is we had like a big giant cross in the front lawn of the church that was kind of like wrapped in like chicken wire and everybody brought fresh flowers and you, you know, stuck your flowers into little spots on the cross until it was eventually completely covered in flowers. And it was always super beautiful beautiful. And, um, I loved that growing up and I love that like sunrise service. Mm-hmm. Loved it. 
That's great. I I remember sunrise service is one of my favorite traditions because it was like the one day a year I can remember waking up before the sun would come up and it being so groggy as a kid and kind of dragging out. But it meant that we were going to go to church and then have like a pancake breakfast. And I actually really liked hard boiled eggs, especially as a kid. I thought it was so fun to have unlimited hard boiled eggs that were dyed. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Well, let's talk about, let's start by talking about the bunny. Let's just get it out there. Cassie, are there bunnies laying eggs in baskets of candy at your house? Be honest. I wish. I mean, gosh, what a world. If bunnies were laying <laughs> baskets of Easter Easter candy, that'd be amazing. We, you know, if there was a list of all the holiday mythical whatever creatures, yeah. the bunnies at the bottom. Oh, really? I mean, my, we've done the tooth fairy. We've had some fun with getting creative with some of the mythical, you know, imaginary things. The bunnies at the bottom. I don't even think my kids care about the Easter Bunny. Now we do, we have historically done a big Easter egg hunt where we've invited neighbors and we've done a big like brunch spread on a Saturday morning and, you know, we'll have 50-ish people come and and then we'll do like a, we'll do like a gospel story. We'll ha- gather all the kids and, and that's a lot of fun. So we do that, but that's the closest thing we've come to like the Easter egg. But you don't have Easter Eric bunny. come out in like a mascot costume I will this year. Okay. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Uh, Chelsea, should we be shaming the parents who are into the Easter Bunny? Talk to me about this. How do we? How do they navigate that? No, oh, let them live, man. Uh, <laughs> if they like the bunny, let them love the bunny. Uh, the bunny is not going to bring new life, but if they want to have some fun with the bunny or chocolate or candy or baskets, I say go for it. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe I'm the only one here. I think the bunny's a bad idea. I'm against the bunny. <laughs> I think the bunny detracts from what we're trying to accomplish on Easter. And if we make Easter about the bunny and make it about chocolate, then we miss out on the resurrection. You asked me, do we shame the parents? And oh. I said, no. Maybe a trap. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a trap. Wait, what was the question? I feel like Chelsea just <laughs> Then you came out as being officially against the bunny. I didn't... <laughs> so Adam, Adam would like to shame the parents. Yes, you should be ashamed, parents. No, I... I'm not, a, you shouldn't be ashamed, but I do think it's a distraction. Uh, that wasn't not fair to my wife. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I think that the, the bunny does detract from what we're trying to celebrate on that weekend. It is interesting yeah. that because of the roots of this country and, and our uh, cultures kind of despising anything uh, publicly Christian, the bunny becomes kind of the forefront of selling things at Easter. You know, you can go into the store and they're selling pastels and jelly beans and eggs of all sizes and baskets. And our kids even have a gentleman, uh, a single guy from our church uh, who they associate with the Easter bunny because every year, even though he has moved to Nashville, last year he drove all the way from Nashville to Dallas to drop off Easter baskets at our door before the sun came up. He just has made Easter fun for them, which is so sweet. But I don't want, similarly, I don't want the pomp of the candy and the peeps to be what detracts them from what we're trying to talk about at Easter, which is an opportunity to talk about the resurrection. Chelsea, talk to me about explaining to our kids the difference between cultural Easter and celebrating the resurrection. What's the difference? I think cultural Easter is honestly a celebration of spring. You know, I think people are happier that the sun's out and we're going to buy new clothes. I think a lot of moms maybe love the Lord or don't really love an opportunity to take some family pictures, get your kids dressed up and take really cute family pictures. Love that. The difference 
is that with or without the pictures or the candy or like a big family meal, like all the, there's nothing wrong with great pictures, cute kids, putting your kids in a three-piece suit. I love dressing my kids up. So fun. Yeah. But none of those things are a eternity-changing reality about who we are and who God is. And so the resurrection for, for the follower of Christ literally changes everything, right? right. Uh, the Bible says it, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then we are to be pitied above all people, right? We we put our faith in Christ because he proves that he is the son of God who conquers sin and death through the resurrection. And so, yeah, there's a huge difference between cultural Easter, which is very grammable, um, <laughs> and celebrating the resurrection, which might cause you suffering and loss in your life, but in eternity with, with Christ. Mm. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set it's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, FAMILY10, to get 10% off your entire order. Sometimes hard things happen. Sometimes they happen to children. When God Makes Scribbles Beautiful is a beautifully illustrated book that helps kids trust that God can take their hard things and use them for good. This picture book imagines that the hard things in a child's life is a scribble following him everywhere. Readers will journey through God's promises from the Bible, inspiring hope and faith in God's good and redemptive plan. Hard things don't always go away, but God can turn them into something beautiful. Available at BeautifulScribbles.com. Download a free parent connection guide and printable scripture cards. One of my favorite Christian holidays that is associated with Easter for obvious reasons is Good Friday. And while we talk a lot about a cultural Easter and how to maybe navigate that, and we can talk more about that here in a minute, uh, there's not a cultural Good Friday. Like this still gets to be yeah. just ours and just clearly what it is. Cassie, can you tell us a little bit about Good Friday and maybe equip us even? How, how do you teach kids about Good Friday? Good Friday is when the church like pauses and thinks about the crucifixion. Um, and so I think it brings a ton of meaning to Sunday morning uh, with the family and with the church. If you've Absolutely. kind of, if you've spent Holy Week thinking about what Jesus knew he was walking into and then you spend Friday grieving 
and pondering, considering what was done on the cross and how brutal it was and how sad it was. My youngest daughter last year, um, after the Good Friday service that we attended, we were going to bed and she was like, I don't want Jesus to ever have to die ever, ever, ever again. (laughs) And I think that was her way of saying, I don't want to have to go to a Good Friday service ever again because it was so sad for her. But that was the sentiment we were going for, right? So that Sunday we are able to receive all of the joy of the resurrection. And I think you're missing out on some of that if you aren't really kind of steeping yourself in the death of Jesus. And so Good Friday is it's an opportunity to really count the cost of what Jesus did. We're even as a family, we're observing Lent. We've given something up as a family and because we've considered what did Jesus give up to come here? Think of all the comforts he gave up when he came here. So for us to just think about that for, you know, 40 days leading up to Easter. And so, um, yeah, Good Friday. We we have a Good Friday service at our church. You might go to a church that doesn't do Good Friday, but if you, I bet you can find a Good Friday service in your town. Um, and I would go to it. Before we did Good Friday services at our church, we would go to a Presbyterian church on Monday, Thursday or on Good Friday to do one of their services and to celebrate and kind of let ourselves sit in the discomfort of the crucifixion. Yeah, mm. totally. I, I feel like the darkness of Good Friday helps the, the brightness of Easter seem that much brighter. Mm-hmm. And the, while the truth of the resurrection is the root of our hope, uh, the death of Jesus Christ also accomplished something. It wasn't right. just yeah. the the resurrection. And so Good Friday, while I don't know, you know, there, I really actually am a huge fan of the movie, The Passion of the Christ. And that's not a movie you show the youngest of kids, but maybe if you have teenagers, that's a movie you guys sit down together with on uh, the Friday before Easter and Good Friday, just to, to create some conversation around it. When that movie first came out, I remember taking groups of teenagers to go see it and it was powerful. Just the questions that were raised by them, the the experience of witnessing a little bit more of like what it might have been like mm-hmm. to be there for the crucifixion and help their imaginations along a little bit. I love experiences like that because I do think it helps us celebrate Easter by recognizing the weight of the cross that Jesus mm-hmm. did bear for us. Chelsea, where do we see, well, help me think about this. Is the gospel more than just Easter weekend? Is the gospel that we have just that Jesus rose from the dead or is there more to it than that? I would say that it's the beginning, that Easter weekend is, is the beginning of what changes our life because of the gospel, right? It's a starting point, right? When you come to faith, you believe that Jesus died for your sin and that he rose again. So it shows that he is God. Um, we needed a savior because the wages of sin is death. We needed a savior that could actually die. So he had to be fully human, right? But we also needed someone without sin. So he had to be fully God. And so Jesus is the only solution Mm -hmm. to a really big problem that we have. If he was just human, then he would have his own sins to die for. So he could not die in our place. But we have this God man, Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, capable of dying because he's human, but no sin of his own uh, to bear the weight of. And so he could bear ours. Mm -hmm. So this is really good news. Uh, We celebrate that Easter weekend, but then that changes our life forever if we're going to follow Christ. Uh, So to me, it symbolizes the beginning of our faith and then our walk with Christ thereafter. Mm. That's so great. Cassie, how do parents, church workers, maybe maximize the opportunity to teach the gospel on Easter? How can we creatively think about teaching our kids about Jesus? Yeah. So, you know, when I first read this question, I felt a little exposed because if you're talking about Easter crafts, I that is my weak spot as a children's minister. The I mean, only ever weak since spot the beginning. you got. 
It's the weakest of the weak spots. (laughs) Since 2004, I have struggled with crafts. Um, But that's what Pinterest is for. So if you're looking to get creative and artsy, it's good. Our kids need crafts. They need visual aids. They need tactile. They like they. It's good for little kids to touch something and like to be telling the story through objects and all that. And at our church, we do um, the Easter boxes where there's like the Easter story and there's a there's an item that represents each part of the story. So a cross or a rock or a nail um, and all of those type of things. A cup for the um, the Last Supper. And so that's one creative way. There are a lot of. Easter crafts and things that you can do and you can find online. One of the favorite things that we've done, and it's actually in baptism class that we do it, that you could do on Easter when we talk about what was accomplished on the cross and what's accomplished uh, in the resurrection is we do the object lesson with the absorber, you know, like the ShamWow that you would use to dry your car. Yeah. And we just talk about, we get a glass of water, talk about the effects of sin, how sin has tainted and broken the entire world and uh, separated us from God and how what Jesus did when he came and when he died as he absorbed all of God's wrath and all of the the brokenness and all of that on the cross. And then he died. And then when he raised, for those that believe in him, our cups are filled with every spiritual blessing. Now we are invited back into the kingdom of God. And so, I mean, every analogy breaks down, but that I think is a really good visual for that idea of, of God absorbing, of Jesus absorbing God's wrath on behalf of us and um, and the brokenness and then defeating that. And then what is ours in Christ if we believe, if we believe that Jesus indeed died for our sins and rose again, then what is ours is a right relationship with God. Yeah. So that's one of, I think, my favorite creative ways that we kind of teach it. That's great. I think you're selling yourself short there on the creativity, Cassie. I know that may not be counted as a craft, but I think that's that's a beautiful metaphor, a beautiful object lesson. Uh, I love the creativity you have, Cassie. Don't sell yourself short just because you're not (laughs) cutting things out all the time and gluing things together. One of my other favorite things about holidays that our culture is familiar with, but maybe our culture does not follow Christ, is the opportunity we have to tell a little bit more of the story that means so much to us. Uh, Chelsea, talk to us about how Easter can be an evangelistic opportunity for a family inside and outside our house. Sure. Well, I'll start by telling you that um, a long time ago, when I was a single person, I was working at a country club and invited a bunch of my coworkers to come to church with me. And they came, and that was really sweet, right? They came, and guess what? We had a guest preacher, and he was preaching on gluttony. And uh, he just— <laughs> <What>? <laughs> this, is at the, this is at the village. No way. Uh, guest preachers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he just really goes off about eating too much, right? And one of the guys I brought with me, he was so sweet. He had like such a soft heart towards whatever was going to be preached. He just, he had like a, he was predisposed to being like, church is good. Okay. So he wasn't a believer and didn't go to church, but he was like, this is, this is, a good thing to do or to listen to. So after that, in the days and weeks to follow, I mean, he was like, hey, the other night I woke up in the middle of the night and I was hungry. And so I just like, I ate some cereal and I just, I feel so bad. Mm. And I was like, dude, it is fine. And so after that first time I brought them to church, I was like, well, that, it was kind of weird. Okay. The gluttony thing, it was fine. It was biblical, I guess, but it just left these guys really confused. So I was like, y'all come with me next week. Okay. Come with me next week. And they say, okay. And so they come with me the next week. And guess what? It was a two-part series on gluttony. No. <laughs> I'm not. No. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And so our guest preacher is talking about his weight loss journey and like food is idolatry. And 
And again, like there wasn't anything wrong with this. No, I remember like, this. It was really powerful for me. I remember those sermons, but it would be hard to have that be the first thing you're at. So what I will say is that um, if you are too, if you are scared to share the gospel with your <laughs> friends, bringing your friend to church on Easter is a great way to be like, I'm pretty confident that this week we are going to cover the gospel <laughs> in a comprehensive and celebratory way. Yeah, And so we're that is scary sometimes, or just people have a, a better disposition. I think if you're saying, Hey, do you want to come to church with me on Easter? They might be more willing to say yes, because they either grew up going to church on Easter, or they knew they know that it's going to be like a good news, happy type Sunday, or that we're going to go to lunch afterwards. Um, or maybe even those family memories of going to church on Easter and people who've walked away from the church might feel like some nostalgia or uh, just, you know, warmth about saying, yeah, I'll, I'll go to church with you and your family yeah. um, or go to church with with my single friend because that will feel like home to me um, and bring back some sort of positive memories. So that can be a great evangelistic opportunity. Yeah. I love uh, our Griffin family tradition. Uh, we don't have a lot of family who lives nearby, so we'll invite people out for a meal after Easter service. And that's an easy thing to invite people to who are not usually a part of your church or are not following the Lord to say, hey, on Easter you want to go to church with us and then we can buy you lunch. And uh, I think it's such a sweet thing. And obviously sharing the gospel with your kids on Easter should be a, a low bar of entry to tell yeah. them about what Christ has done for them. Mm. That should not be hard. Chelsea, talk to us for just a minute as we kind of wind down already. What what comforts do the truths of Easter bring to our hearts? What is the what is the sweet thing about celebrating Easter that we would hate for a family to miss out on if all they do is dress up and eat some ham? Yeah, that, that'd be super sad. The joy of Easter is that it is finished, that the work of Christ is is complete, Yeah, that we do not have to work to earn our salvation, that we can come to Christ, that, that God accepts us because of Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. Um, and so this is a huge comfort. And I think, you know, as we've talked about on the, on the podcast about um, milestones, this is a huge one that kind of recenters our faith yeah. uh, where it's places in the year and in the church calendar. It's a, it's a great place to kind of come back to the gospel, to kind of help us just recenter our lives on Christ. Whether we have some sin that we need to bring into the light or repent of, um, we're, I hope that we're encouraged around Easter time to go, oh yeah, I don't have to walk in the darkness. I don't have to get sucked in to whatever worldly things are going in my life. And so it, it brings us comfort that, that Christ did it, that he paid it all and that he is risen and that we too will rise with him one day. So uh, yeah, the comforts and the truths of Easter are, are endless. Yeah. I love that you brought up milestones. Cassie, can you help us think through how can Easter be a milestone for a Christian family? Yeah. Well, I mean, it already is hopefully a milestone. I mean, it's something that it, it exists and it's like this mile marker in our year, right? Of every, every time we come up to it, you know, we're, we're considering what it means for us. And so then I think it's how are we then choosing to market and observe it in a way that is meaningful so that, you know, if our kids grow up and have a podcast and they're asked, Hey, how did your family celebrate Easter? They have this history a rich history yeah. of um, celebrating Easter in ways that are really meaningful and gospel centered. And I think that can be through observing Lent and kind of having starting traditions around Good Friday and Easter 
Easter Sunday. And so, I mean, our kids are just old enough where we would invite them into kind of that, the idea of fasting and that kind of thing. I think evangelistic hospitality, like what you guys talked about, either inviting people over for a meal, but having a, before the pandemic, we had an annual, we had that annual Easter egg hunt. And so that's something where we're kind of marking the season by like, we're going to invite people into the good news of this truth. And we want them to know that it's so much more than an Easter egg hunt and, and a ham, you know, it's a, it's the good news of the gospel. It's, you know, because he lives, we sing that song um, on Easter Sunday, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And it's like everything hard that we face this year, everything that's coming, you know, after this day, because he lives is why we can endure it, why we have hope. And so, yeah, I think those are some ideas, hopefully for making it a meaningful season for your family. And I would say just, you know, make a plan, be intentional, and then be flexible for when things don't go the way you think they're going to go and then readjust for next year. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love what you did to connect it back to the Lenten season too. If you really did give up something for Lent, maybe it helps make Easter extra special as you either bring back that thing or reflect on why that was a great thing to remove from your life and you don't really need it because you have Christ. You have everything you need in Him. Mm. So uh, Easter is one of the best holidays, in my opinion, for a Christian family to be able to just center their lives around the gospel, celebrate what Jesus Christ has accomplished, and remind our kids our greatest hope for them is not that they grow up to be well-behaved children that become well-behaved adults, it's that they would follow this Lord, that if he died and he rose again, then that changes everything. They have a hope that cannot be taken away from them. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit one of our sponsors and share this episode with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on social media. We love you listeners. We'll be back next week with more great stuff. We'll see you then. 